0: Last night, I emphasized that in the subject for this conference, two words are of special importance reality and manifestation. Manifestation is a word that seems to indicate something has not yet been seen, and then it is made visible. In a glorious way. In a splendid way. So we're considering the kingdom. As a realm of the divine life. Into which we have been born. Through regeneration. We have been transferred. According to Colossians 1. Out of the authority of darkness. We've been delivered out of the authority of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The Father has an indescribable love for His Son. And we are all sons of God in Christ. So this love God has for His Son extends to us. And now we are in a realm called the kingdom of the Son of God's love. The atmosphere is absolutely one of the divine love for the Son, for all the believers, and for one another. This is a realm full of light, God shining, A light that heals. A light that supplies. A light that guides. And we're in a realm of life. And here there is no fear. There's no control. There is love, life, and light. This is where we are by birth. And the Lord wants a group of people who live in the reality of this kingdom, allowing this reality to increase in them, so that when he returns to manifest himself in glory and to manifest the kingdom in glory, we will be there with him and reign with him like the shining of the sun. But in order for something to be manifested, there must be the inward reality first. Before we come to the outline for message two, I want to share substantially uh, two matters that I believe will be helpful, enlightening and supplying. The first Is what we mean. By reality. When we say. The reality of the kingdom. Or the reality of the church. Well if we are. Just thinking about the word reality. It seems that. It's some kind of mysterious. Substance. It's an element. It's the true thing. But. I have good news. Reality is not a thing. Reality is a person. There is a person on the earth who was reality itself. How do we know this? We know it because the Bible tells us so. Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verse 17. The law was given by Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus came, reality came to this earth. As an illustration of a, con, of a, of a contrast, I feel both humanly and spiritually, responsible to be observing what is going on in the world situation in relation to the Lord's move. So I want to keep up with the news, the facts of the news. But I can't bear to watch any of the major stations because there's much more opinion than facts. And you have all these talking heads And one word that goes through my mind is vanity, vanity, vanity. Would you all just please be quiet. Just report the facts. So I'm not even going to turn you on. I'm just going to go online and just get the latest facts. No interpretation. We live in a world of total unreality. Southern California is the capital of unreality in the United States and Hollywood is the is the administrative center of the capital. So when the Lord came, reality came. The reality of what God is. Then later in Matthew, I'm uh, sorry, John 14:6, he said, "I am the reality. Can you imagine meeting someone and you say, who are you? Well, I am reality. This this is really odd. It either has to be true or you are a severe mental case (laughs) saying I am reality itself. But reality is a person. So we're not having a thing or an element increase in us called reality the reality of the kingdom is the Christ who is the king and the kingdom and he's in us and everything he is is reality but John took us further because the apostle John was marked out by the Lord in his mending ministry to emphasize life and reality. And he didn't really get going in high gear in his ministry till he was about 90. I don't know what the American youth culture would do with a person like this. But they're going to meet some of us sooner or later. right? They, because it takes time for life to grow and to mature. So John is 90 plus, writes his first epistle, and he, in chapter 5, verse 6, he said, True, The Spirit is the reality. The Spirit. So I appreciate the brother last night sharing, whenever we are in the Spirit, we're in the reality of the kingdom. And all of us, and I'm not an exception, we're all learning by doing. So we're in the kingdom and we're out. We're in, we're out, we're in. I'm enjoying the Lord while I'm driving. I'm in the kingdom. Someone cuts in front of me. I'm not in the kingdom. I realize I'm not in the kingdom, so I need to come back in the kingdom. When I'm not in the kingdom... I'm wondering, where are the cops now? Why don't they get him? Right? So, we're, we're all learning here. I'm a learner with you all. Then, there's a rather mysterious verse that I want to read to you because it is so enlightening concerning this. It's also in 1 John, chapter 5. Verse 20, and he says, and we know, there's a time to believe, and there's a time to know. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. So this understanding is the capacity for all believers to understand spiritual things including the deepest and the highest. It's just a fact, whether it's at Princeton, Harvard, Yale, Berkeley, Cambridge, there are super intelligent professors with PhDs writing books, but they do not have the spiritual understanding that common believers may have. You don't need a college education. I've been spending a lot of time in the last 20, what, four years in the south of the Philippines. And I've now relinquished that to some younger brothers to go down there. We're presenting the high peak of the divine revelation. And the vast majority of the brothers that were co-workers Their education stopped at the third grade. It's a third world situation. But it doesn't mean they don't have the capacity. They just didn't have the opportunity. And now they labor day and night for their sons and daughters to get a higher education. And I can testify, these men are fishermen mainly and farmers. They have this understanding. They have an understanding that professors of theology at Harvard do not have. The Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. He has given it. That we might know. Okay? Know Him who is true. Okay? This is a very good translation of the Greek. Know Him who is Who is true? Perhaps a more exact translation could be, know the true one. But the Greek simply says, the true, the real. That is what John is writing. You will know the real, the true, which is God Himself in the Son, that we might know Him. Who is true. And listen. And we are in him. Who is true. In his son. Jesus Christ. This is the true God. And eternal life. On the one hand. When we believed into the Lord. Believed in our heart. God raised him from the dead. Confessed that Jesus is the son of God. God. And called on him, the Lord came into us as the spirit of reality, John 16. The spirit of reality is the resurrected Christ as the life-giving spirit. Reality has come into all of us. And our great, great, great grandfather, David, prayed for this in what we might consider an unusual context, he had just been convicted of horrible sins, arranging for the murder of Uriah the Hittite so he could take Bathsheba to be his wife. Now that is a huge, gigantic failure. But he was enlightened and he received the gift of repentance. He had a broken spirit, a contrite heart as revealed in Psalm 51. And he prayed this, Lord, you desire truth. You delight in truth in the inward parts. So this is part of the reality. It is Christ who is reality saturating the inward parts of our being. This is a person making his home in our heart, a person spreading in us. But on the other hand, we are in the realm of reality. I pointed out that in the plant kingdom, it's the plant life. The animal kingdom, human kingdom, that kind of life. In the kingdom of God, only God has that life. In order for us to be a part of it, we have to be born of God to have the life of God to be in this realm. But this is just the entrance. We are now in the reality. We are in it. And we can know it. We know it. We know the Son of God has come. We know the real. And we are in the real. By being in his Son, Jesus Christ. Then he says, this is the true God and eternal life. So we can look forward to, in the days to come, a gradual development inwardly and that is the increase of Christ as the divine reality itself spreading from our spirit into our mind so everything we think about remember reason about will be real in our emotion in our will and, and John, again, the Apostle, takes us a step further to show what this looks like on the human side. If a brother or sister, day by day, opens to the spirit of reality to spread more of Christ as reality inwardly, then what does this look like outwardly in the living of that person. Well John, again, this is part of his ministry, he used a particular expression at least twice. In his second epistle, he is greeting uh, an elderly woman in the church and her children. He said, I greet you in the Lord whom I love in truthfulness. I love in truthfulness. He uses this word truthfulness. Then in 3 John, he says the same thing. I love in truthfulness. Well, what is it? When the divine reality, Christ as the spirit of reality, saturates us and is expressed through us it makes us genuine sincere real persons eventually everything about us is real when you see someone after a meeting you realize they've had a struggle with their health They've experience the loss of a loved one, or they're struggling about how their young adult okay. children are doing. And you ask, the one will realize th- this person remembers." And he asks, "Because he cares." And that care and concern are real. We're having just an ordinary conversation. But in all of our contact, there's genuineness. Paul uses, John uses truthfulness. So it's not only that he had the divine attribute of love developing in him. When this attribute of love is expressed through his soul, where the human virtues are, it's expressed as genuineness, sincerity, honesty, faithfulness. Just a little sidebar, I've mentioned this more than once, about the English word sincerity. I studied Latin for two years in another epoch, in the early 50s. Okay, this is long time ago. But I learned something about this word that I'd like to just mention. In the Roman Empire, there was quite an industry or business of selling marble, slabs and blocks of marble for construction. And there were Fakes and crooks then, as there are now. And so, what they would do, if there was a slab or a block of marble that had a crack, they would fill it with wax. And the appearance was the same as the marble. And the people would buy it. And of course, the wax didn't, didn't remain so eventually the Roman government realized this and so they trained a group of marble inspectors who could discern whether there's wax or not. And then once they would examine a slab, then they could sign a document, sine sire, without wax okay without wax okay our culture is just wax I mean not just filling a crack the whole person is wax the continent is wax and all of us but especially young people in particular and let them be young let's not tread on their youthfulness give them room to be young They're hungry for reality. Just hungry for it. And the reality they're seeking is in the kingdom of the Son of God's love. It's a realm of reality. And this reality is saturating us. We know the reality. We are in the reality. And we can testify, this is the true God. And then one other matter, I won't take too much time on this, but I mentioned when the Lord came to establish the kingdom as a realm of life, He didn't fulfill the, the concept of the Jewish leaders that you'll come with power to overthrow the Roman Empire. Even the disciples who were with the Lord for three and a half years, they heard him speak about the kingdom for 40 days after his resurrection. He's about to leave, and one of the dear brothers says, Lord, I have a question. Will you restore the kingdom to Israel now? Will you do it now? And the Lord in his forbearance, he gave a wise answer. He said, no, your commission is to witness to me and to proclaim the kingdom of God as a realm of life. So the Lord did not manifest himself as the king in a physical way. Rather, he came to sow seed. Scattering it freely. And this is the way we should present the truth. We just we leave up to the Spirit. We don't know who's chosen, who will respond. We have no preference. We have no bias. We just release the Lord to anyone. But the seed, which is the Lord as the Word, is seeking an honest heart. An honest heart. And then the seed can lodge there. And we're using this metaphor, so the seed needs soil. And the God-created humanity, especially our human heart, is the soil in which the seed is growing. And in that soil, I'm following Brother Lee's line of thought on this. These are the nutrients, whatever the seed needs from the soil. So it's a combination. So when we open to the Lord, when we say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord, I turn my heart to you now out of faith and love. Lord, I open my being to you. We are releasing from within us those elements that will enable the seed to grow. So, the Lord is so humble and gracious. He came into me shortly before my 16th birthday. And I hardly knew he was there. And more or less, he just stayed there quietly. Really, in a prison for the next 11 years. I had some experiences. It wasn't until I came under the ministry of the age in the Lord's recovery that I realized I had a spirit, that the Lord dwells in me as the life giving spirit, that God has a desire to fill all our vessels with Himself. Then there could be the response so simple. I'm glad we sang hymn 841. See, I would cease completely from my efforts vain. If we would just stop and realize how simple the matter is. The truth is profound. But the life practice is simple. Okay, this morning I had a very healthy, enjoyable breakfast. I didn't do anything to prepare. I admit. And it was there. And we had some very precious prayer. And all I did was use the the utensils to eat this and that. And it was so enjoyable because God created us with taste buds. And now I'm not doing anything to work, to digest the breakfast. My only part was to eat it and enjoy it. That's all. Amen. That's all. I would cease completely from my efforts vain. Let thy life transform me. just say, Lord, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to have breakfast with you tomorrow, spiritually speaking, I'm just going to turn my heart to you and open to you and enjoy you and then give you access to my whole inner being, then you do everything else. He said, Fine. Don't try to improve. Don't pray to improve. Don't expect those around you to improve. The seed is there. When we cooperate with it, it begins to expand, which is now a person making his home in us. So, as this person, who is the king in the kingdom, makes his home in our heart, that is the spreading of the kingdom in its reality in our inner being. And what is our longing? And what the Lord is praying for is that between now and the time we meet the Son of Man at the judgment seat, this kingdom seed will have spread throughout our soul. The body can be transfigured in an instant. So this is little by little, day by day, contacting Him, coming to Him, just as we are, as part of the honesty. The enemy, among other things, is a thief. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a thief. And he likes to rob us of opportunities to experience Christ and enjoy Christ. So he may, he knows to what extent, I don't know, but he knows to some extent our psychology. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how to set up a trap. He knows when to tempt us. He attacks us when we're at our weakest. And then we have a failure. Then he comes to accuse us. And even after we realize. He's accusing us. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. Then we confess to the Lord. Then he injects this thought. You can't come to God so soon after you had this failure. You you need to wait. At least all day. Maybe a week. This is out of the Roman Catholic Church. You've got to do penance. You've got to say a thousand Hail Marys. Some places you've got to whip yourself. This is part of his strategy. The blood of Jesus gives us the right to come to him at any time. We're not waiting for an emotional wave to come in. Okay, now I feel better for some reason. Okay, I, I lose a day here. I lose two days there. I lose nine hours here. This is the years the locusts have eaten. Let's stomp on those locusts, okay? Let's, don't have mercy on them. So learn from my own failures. Come to the Lord just as you are. And let's just say for some reason, you just can't do it. Then here's some really good news. You're not alone. Why not just contact a companion and say, will you pray with me? I'm having trouble getting through. Will you pray with me? Oh, then the two of you will be invincible and the seed will spread in you. Okay, now we come to outline two. Okay, living out the indwelling Christ, as our surpassing righteousness to participate in the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens. Certain words, spiritual words, they're quite warm, like love, grace, mercy. But righteousness, that, that's a kind of a heavy one, righteousness please talk to me about love or the Lord's forbearance. Tell me about the verses that say it's the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Well, there are times when I will do that. But I have to be faithful to the Lord, to his word and to you, especially with the kingdom here, to focus one message on righteousness. In Matthew 6.33, the Lord connects the kingdom with righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In the earlier chapter, Matthew 5, we read it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. for justice, for equality, for a society in which there is no bias, there is no preference, there is no superior, there is no inferior. No one is falsely accused and falsely imprisoned. There are no more wars. No one is excluded because of this or that. No one is put down because of this or that. When will the criminal actions stop? I'm not involved in the, the whole debate about guns and this and that. But I know some want to say, no, oh, no, we want to restrict the buying of guns. And Okay, I'd like to ask the senators a question. What will you do about the bad guys getting illegal weapons. Will you please take care of that? Instead of trying to put your emphasis here. They can't. They can't. I remember in the 1970s, a sister who was Hispanic and her background was married to a Jewish brother there in the church life. And she brought her brother through a gospel meeting. And we were meeting in groups. This is in the 1970s. And he was very active in what at that time was designated as Chicano power to match the, the black power movement, The just the hunger for justice and equality. And he was exceedingly active in this when we're sitting in a circle. And I entered into his feeling. So this is a noble thing, a cause that you're in. You want justice for your people. I'd like to tell you, God has the same feeling for the whole human race, all of society. He's fully aware of this. He's not just saving people and bringing them to heaven. But God's way is to bring his kingdom to the earth. This is his way to solve all of these problems. Would you like to participate in this? Then he really prayed and called on the Lord. And then we... Got the attention of everyone else in the meeting hall. All in circles. And he stood up. And he just declared. I'm saved. We need to realize. God is a righteous God. We're in the age of grace. So because of this. He is forbearing He waits. But there will be a time very soon when we will offer certain kinds of prayers together that we've never offered before. And Brother Lee opened the way in the life study of Revelation concerning this. We will cry out to the Lord. Lord, how long will you wait to allow this to go on? The evil, the unrighteousness, the rebellion, the inhumanity, the hatred, the wars. Lord, vindicate yourself. That you are a holy and righteous God. Kingdom people have a feeling about this. We enter into God's view of the whole earth. And so he wants us to seek his righteousness. You just consider this verse in Ecclesiastes. This is a a close quote. It's not exactly, but it's very, very close. That because the sin of an unrighteous person is not judged speedily, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Because there is no swift judgment. People mock. See, I'm illustrating. I'm not advocating. In some states, there's capital punishment. But because of the corruption, the because of injustice, because of racial bias, there's been all kinds of errors. But let's suppose we're in an absolutely Just government. And someone committed a murder. This morning. He is tried. At one o'clock. Convicted of first degree murder. And executed. At six o'clock. That. Would communicate something. We cannot have. That kind of justice. In a corrupt. Biased warped, discriminatory society. But there's a longing, even there's a longing in human beings for righteousness, for justice, for peace. And so the kingdom of God is a realm of righteousness. And when the age turns from the age of grace, it will be the age of Of righteousness. That justice will prevail all over the earth and the co kings will enforce it. There will be co kings over Phoenix. I wonder what the co kings will do in Las Vegas. First, burn down all the gambling paraphernalia and say, look, the desert is blossoming. Now, grow fruit, grow vegetables. I really believe this. The coming kingdom will be an age of righteousness. And based on righteousness, there will be peace. Those who protest, they have a point. If there is no justice, how can there be peace? So there's this aspect of the kingdom. But I need to say something, and we'll go through the outline, but I need to say something concerning what righteousness is. It is for us to be right with every matter, every person, and everything according to God. According to God. I remember a testimony, I just enjoyed this so much, of a brother in Connecticut He was telling us his experience, shortly after he got saved. He really got saved. Then he got a notice he's being audited by the IRS and he had to appear for an appointment. I doubt if anyone working for the IRS ever had an experience that they would now have. He walked into the office and he shouted, I'm guilty! I'm guilty. I did it. I cheated. I was wrong. I repent. I'm here to make it right. This, this was a spontaneous reaction of a dear brother who's now in the kingdom of God with the righteous king in him. And on God's side, God has so many attributes. He is love. But God does not have to love person X. God must be righteous. He has no choice. He must be righteous with everyone, everything, every matter. Psalm 89.14 tells us that righteousness is the foundation of God's throne. So there will be, in our experience, two stages of experiencing this personally. And these two stages are symbolized by two different kinds of garments. The first is Luke 15. The prodigal son asked for his portion of the inheritance. The father does not control him. The father lets him go. but The father never stopped waiting and watching. Then the son was desperate for food. He came home. The father saw him. The father ran to him. And then the first thing the Father did was not feed him. He couldn't feed him first. I have prepared a robe for him. Put this robe on him. Cover him with this robe. This robe signifies Christ as our righteousness before God. This is what it means to be justified by faith. To be justified is to be approved by God according to the standard of His righteousness. So as God looks at us right now, He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see sins. He sees Christ covering us. It seems the theologians are just slow to learn, so we'll keep presenting the truth to them. They say, God has given the righteousness of Christ to us. That is not accurate. The righteousness of Christ is his righteousness as a man before God. God has given Christ as our righteousness. We are clothed with Christ as our righteousness. Because of that... We can come to the Lord just as we are. But I'm glad you had the Spanish speakers read in Spanish. And I hope in the speaking, whatever language you need to speak in, as long as you have a translator, please, please share. But we read from Matthew 22. Now, the context is the wedding dinner. And someone comes in there, then the person in charge comes up to him and says, How did you get in here without a wedding garment? That's your requirement. Remove him. And he had to be removed. Well, some wrongly say he was not saved. He did not have the garment from Luke 15. But no, this is, the context is, this is for all believers. So there had to be a second garment to wear for the wedding. Okay, keep this in mind. Now we're in Revelation 19. The come and rejoice. The marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. And the attention is given to her wedding garment. And it's called the righteousnesses of the saints. Righteousnesses. That's an odd word. Righteousnesses. But that's her wedding garment. And her wedding garment, that is the wedding garment In Matthew 22. That is another kind of righteousness. Before God. We have Christ as our righteousness. Covering us objectively. Our being is really not transformed yet. But. To be the bride of Christ. We have to be the same as he is. We have to match him. So we need another kind of righteousness. And Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 and 8. When he talks about the ministry of the new covenant is the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of righteousness. The ministry of the Spirit supplies you with the resurrected Christ as the Spirit to be your life, your life supply, and everything inwardly. But we were created to express God, and the organ of expression is the soul. So the Christ who is life in our spirit wants to saturate our soul then be expressed and shine forth. So Paul also says we have the ministry of righteousness. This is a ministry that encourages the saints and supplies the saints to experience Christ as the spirit within them and to allow this Christ to be expressed through them in the specific actions of their living. Whether it's driving or doing your job. The hours of your job belong to the company. It's not your time to PSRP. You need to be doing your job. You are When you do that, You are one with Christ, living him. Okay. And so the righteousnesses are a series of specific acts of living and serving in which we express the Christ who is the spirit in our spirit. So, so brothers, we're meeting to pray. I saw our brother Herman. He didn't have a uniform on like this. I said, Herman, you're going to be with children, right? You're going to be right now. He's the leading one in the church. He's with the children. You don't wear a uniform like this when you're with the children. That is a specific action of service. He's not in the meeting getting the message. But as he cares for the children, in his spirit, and is expressing Christ to them, he is stitching his wedding garment a little more. Those are the stitches. The crucial point is that if we want to be the bride of Christ in Revelation 19 and enjoy the wedding day of a thousand years, we need to prepare the wedding garment now. And we prepare the wedding garment now by experiencing Christ, enjoying Christ, and allowing Him to live in us as we're living our human life. And little by little by little that expression increases. Through our mind, through our emotion, through our decisions. For many years, I would go every Thursday morning to work with Brother Lee for a few hours. I'm in his house. We take a break. We walk in the garden. Sister Lee gives us some tea. I wasn't nosy. I wasn't examining, but certain things were obvious. Just even certain items that were there, I had the realization. Every decision Sister Lee made was one with the Lord. When she bought this, when she did this, when she made this, all these little decisions, humanly, were made with the Lord. And so, we, we need to live out the indwelling Christ. And when we do so, we will be right with everyone everything and every matter according to God. And therefore, we will be at peace regarding everyone, everything, every matter according to God. But regarding peace with others, Paul says something helpful. I'm so thankful. In Romans 12, he says that as far as it depends on you, Be at peace with everyone. So it doesn't depend on us. There could be someone where you work who is just downright unreasonable. Unreasonable. Inhuman. And that's not an easy situation and maybe you said something or you did something and you realize, I was wrong. I need to apologize for that. This is is what rests with me. There is a kind of person who never forgives anyone, who never lets anyone go, who will always remind you of this. I can still be at peace because that's his responsibility, not mine. The Lord is very reasonable. So when we come to the Lord's table, as we will tomorrow, there should be this witness with Christ as our peace offering. As far as it depends on me, I'm at peace with everyone in the church life, everyone I'm related to, as far as it depends on me. If you're not at peace, clear it up before you come. Do what you need to do. Clear it up. This is part of the Lord's teaching in Matthew 5 and 6. If a brother has been offended by you, and you want to give an offering, you stop and go And see him. And clear it up. Then come back. Then he says, do this while you're both on the road. What does that mean? It's while you're still alive. Because it's a lie. That is perpetrated from the enemy. To give false comfort to believers. Oh, death solves all problems. If you die, everything is solved. You, you didn't, never cleared this up. You never repented. You never apologized. You never were reconciled. But don't worry. You're, you died now. Now you're going to go to heaven. No. You're going to be resurrected. And the Lord will say, "Let's let's go on from where we left off. This is now a matter of the kingdom. So actually, the ministry concerning righteousness is a real supply to us. Because the kingdom and manifestation will be a realm of righteousness. Matthew 13.43 says, the righteous will shine like the sun. The righteous. In 2 Corinthians 3.8, Paul connects the ministry of righteousness with glory. And glory is God expressed. Now we can go through the outline in about 20 minutes or so. It's short. Just to emphasize certain points and having it in print may be a help to you uh, in times to come. We need to understand four aspects of righteousness. Righteousness is being right with persons things and matters before God according to his righteousness and strict requirements. So with persons, with things. So let's say I'm, I'm trying to do something on my phone and I'm frustrated and I just throw it down. I'm not righteous with my iPhone. Whatever it is. There's a proverb that says, the righteous man cares for the life of his animal. So if you have a cat, and you come home angry, don't, don't kick the cat. You've got to be right with the cat. And the Christ who lives in us is right with everything Everyone, they examined him. They couldn't find any fault in him. B, righteousness is the outward expression of the Christ who lives in us as the life-giving spirit. So we express him when we walk according to the spirit and we're one spirit with him. Then when he's expressed, that is righteousness resulting in In glory. C says. Righteousness is a matter of being. Right with God. In our being. So we may be in a situation. Could be in a meeting. It could be in a boring. Committee meeting at work. Whatever it is. And we're not saying anything wrong. We're not doing anything wrong. But inwardly. What's going on is not right. Our being is not right. Our being should actually be participating in what we're doing, but no. Oh, in our mind, we can go... There's no time and space. We can imagine all kinds of things. Then we imagine them that stirs up a feeling. And we can have a feeling for an unreal thing. So, the Lord concerns, is concerned with our being, not just with our behavior. That we are one with Him in our being. And then D continues, righteousness is a matter of God's kingdom. And is related to God's government, administration, and rule. What's the underlying issue in, in Venezuela. They had a, tr- had a tremendous resource of oil. And now one American news person was arrested by the government for filming children trying to find scraps to eat in, 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 in the garbage. It's fundamentally unrighteous. Is there a righteous government on the earth? I don't believe the Lord would say there's none absolutely righteous, relatively. I'd rather he be here than in North Korea. I'd rather be here than in Cuba. I remember when that little boy, remember, in Florida was taken from relatives and brought back to Cuba. one person in the House of Representatives said, oh, he will have a wonderful life in Cuba. And I'm saying to myself, Representative so-and-so, no one except Fidel Castro has a wonderful life in Cuba. I've been there. It's an island prison. The whole thing is a prison. But God is righteous in his government And the more we live in the kingdom, the more we will be desperately longing for him. Lord, bring your righteous government to the United States. And even if it's not time to manifest it, deal with this situation and that situation according to righteousness. If we are indifferent in this matter, This shows a gap in our development and the Lord will surely at one time focus on this. That we can be trained to reign as kings. Roman 2, in order to live in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens today and to participate in its manifestation in the future, we need to live out the indwelling Christ as our surpassing subjective righteousness. So in Matthew 20, 5.20, the Lord said, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Everything was outward. You need to have an inward righteousness. Now I want to emphasize again, this living out involves a harmony between our soul and our spirit. In the natural life, our soul wants to live on its own. Even though Christ is in our spirit, it wants to live on its own. I like this, I don't like that, I want to do this, I want to go there, I want to buy that, I don't like that, this and that. And what is then expressed is the self. That's why... I can't bear these talking heads. It's the self being expressed. And behind this self is Satan. I'm not going to sit there in my living room and see Satan expressed in these talking heads. It's just, and it's getting worse and worse. And so the Lord's transforming our soul is a central matter now. Our spirit is the organ of contacting God, receiving God, and containing God. Our soul is the organ of enjoying Him and expressing Him. So more and more our mind will be set on the spirit and there will be a kind of marriage in us. The mingled spirit is the husband. The soul is the wife. They're a loving couple. So now the Christ who is in our spirit has the way to shine out through our soul. And that shining out or flowing out, that is the living out of Christ. And what prevents this is the independent action of our natural life. So we'll all go through a journey regarding this. So, if I'm, okay, I'm driving, someone cuts in front of me, and now I'm in a position of tailgating them. I'm saying to myself, You asked for it. You asked for it. Okay? Don't be bothered. You cut in front of me. Well, either the Lord or someone next to me will say something against my feeling. Ron, just gently tap the brake and let the person go. Let it go. Okay, if I turn to my spirit and I'm one with the Lord and I'm ruled by him, I will touch the brake and let him go. But if I'm in my natural machismo as a man, I would say that means I surrender to him. I'm not surrendering to him. I'm going to give him an education. <clears throat> well this just shows we're all in this process if we have too high an idea of our of our progress then the Lord might use Phoenix traffic with, a, with an immediate reaction to show you're not quite rapture ready The Lord is growing in you, but you're not quite rapture ready yet. And so, the living out is through our soul. And the more we live out Christ, in the specific things we're doing. If you're a mother or a grandmother reading Curious George, Gets an iPad, probably there's not such a book yet, for the 47th time, you can do that in the mingled spirit and express Christ to this little girl. But if you, I don't think I'm the only one that tried this. I, I, I don't want to read Curious George, I don't want to read War and Peace. I want to read something stimulating. Now, I, now I'm on this level of child vocabulary. I'm just going to skip some pages. as soon as I do, they'll say, Daddy, you skipped a page. <laughs> How does she know? She actually has memorized the whole thing <laughs> because the matter is not about Curious George. It's a matter of her being with you. Right? Being with you. So for the most part, our daily living is just full of incidents like this. There's not that much drama or excitement or adventure most of us in our daily living. But we learn little by little to let the Lord live and be expressed this other garment will be woven. Now the subpoints: The righteousness in Matthew 5.20 does not refer only to objective righteousness, which is the Christ we receive when we believe in him and are thus justified before God. The righteousness in Matthew 20 refers particularly to subjective righteousness, which is the indwelling Christ lived out of us As our righteousness. That we may live in the reality of the kingdom today. And enter into its manifestation in the future. In Romans 14.17. We have a word concerning the kingdom. The sequence is important. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Peace. And joy. In the Holy Spirit. So these are three indicators. Righteousness. Are you right through Christ in this matter? Okay, you're in the kingdom. Now you have peace. This is a deeper assurance. But the highest indicator of being in the reality of the kingdom is joy in the Holy Spirit. And we all need more of this. I expose the enemy again. He robbed me for at least 20 years. He robbed me. And he played with my mind and my disposition to rob me. How did he do that? I just stopped at peace. I thought, joy and happiness, that's for shallow people. I have peace. That's enough. Until someone, a member of the body, in honest fellowship, they said, Ron, you are depriving yourself of so much enjoyment of the Lord. Again and again, I'm, I'm, I'm never tired of saying that Brother Watchman's last written word was, I have maintained my joy. How could he do that in that kind of environment? 20 years with his physical suffering, with his heart and other conditions. Because he was in the reality of the kingdom all the time. And the indicator is righteousness as the base. Then peace. Then joy. So whenever I'm wrong, it could just be in a, a split second response or in anything I lose peace and joy. So I have to settle the matter of righteousness first. Repent. Confess. Ask for forgiveness. Be forgiven. Then there's righteousness. Then the peace comes. But I'm not going to stop anymore with joy. That verse from Nehemiah is precious. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Then see... It is impossible for our natural life to gain this righteousness. So please don't try. When you read Matthew 5.48 it says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Please don't do either one of the following. Don't say, Okay, I consecrate myself to be perfect as God. (laughs) Come on. That's a vow you can never keep. Or, that's impossible. Forget about it. You can't do that That's the word of God. The proper way is to say, Amen, Lord, this is your word. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen. Amen. Then the second response is, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not even going to try. The Lord is happy, happy to hear this. Then the third response is his, Let me do it. Let me be it. It's your trying that is slowing down the whole process. Stop trying. Sometimes we give up in moments of despair. Then a few hours or a few days later, we're at it again. But there'll come a time when you finally stop it. You realize, I'm simply going to eat my spiritual breakfast. The Lord prepared it for me. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be supplied by it. Then I'm going to let the law of life in my body do everything else. And Lord, this is how I'm going to live, learn to live, just receive your dispensing, and then now you're in me. And you, you just do it. I'll let you do it. I'll let you be it. It's so simple. Adi, we need to hunger And thirst after Christ. As our surpassing righteousness. But if you're not hungry right now. Don't condemn yourself. And don't try to be hungry. How are you going to try to stir up a hunger. When you don't have it. To pretend to be hungry. You just say Lord. I don't have this hunger. But your word says. Those that are hungry and thirsty. For righteousness are blessed. Well, you just tell the Lord, I don't have this. Don't beat yourself up. Just be honest. The Lord would say, I know. I'm the only one like this. Matthew 5 is a definition of me. I'm the one who's pure in heart. I'm the one who's poor in spirit. I'm all of this. This say amen to the word. Tell me you can't do it. And just let me do it. I'm really good at this. Okay? I did it in myself. Now I'm going to do it again in all of you. Just let me do it. So just experiment a little. Just say, Lord, I'm going to try this out today to let you do it. Three, Christ lived out of the believers as their subjective righteousness becomes their wedding garment. So we touched on this. So we solidify it now. The righteous. We received for our salvation is objective and enables us to meet the requirements of the righteous God. Whereas the righteousnesses of the overcoming believers are subjective and enable them to meet the requirement of the overcoming Christ. So, what's his requirement? Of his wife. Dear. I just have one requirement. Be exactly. The same as I am. Just in female form. Exactly the same. This is what I am. And this is what I want you to be. Don't try to be it. Just. Agree. With what's in my heart the kind of wife I'm looking for. Who's mature, who's built up, who has the wedding garment, who's beautiful and who's an experienced warrior. With an A, not an O. Warrior. I can't come back until I have her. I gave myself up for her. I died for her. She is the joy set before me when I was on the cross. And so, will you agree to allow me to work in you to make you my duplication, to make you my reproduction in life, in nature, in constitution, in expression. But I have the Godhead and you will never have that. Just let him do it. So this is why we need a second garment before him. If we try to come to the wedding feast because some Calvinist preacher said there's only one kind of garment you will suffer loss and the preacher will suffer greater loss because James says not many of you should become teachers. Those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And many millions of believers will be able to say, Lord, I didn't know about this. That's not an excuse. He will say, I know. And so your discipline will be less than those who knew. You were under this teaching, a dogmatic, authoritarian teaching and when you told the pastor, you read some notes in this book, the recovery version, he said, no, that's heresy. Don't believe that. Calvin didn't say that. Then you were frightened. But how blessed we are to know the truth. <laughs> but with the blessing, is some responsibility because when we meet the Lord, when I meet the Lord, what kind of responsibility am I going to have? I have no choice I have to fulfill my function I have no choice I won't be able to say Lord I didn't know you would say when you were a theology student you didn't know but you've been in the recovery for more than 52 years you can't say you don't know Ron you just didn't cooperate with me I don't want to hear that I don't want to end up in outer darkness having given conferences about this. I want to learn with all of you. I want to advance with all of you. That we can be in this wedding feast together. Don't you want to be there? Oh, I look forward to being there. It's one day it's one day but it's a thousand years long. And maybe we'll connect with one another, you say. Remember that conference in Phoenix? In 2019, when we talked about the wedding garment, look, we got it. The Lord was so faithful to us. Now the, and then see, only those who have the second garment will be chosen and qualified to attend the wedding feast of the Lamb. The so Revelation says, Blessed are days, are they who are called to the marriage dinner of the Lamb. May we all, however the Lord would communicate, all receive an invitation from the Bridegroom. Come to my wedding feast. I have made you ready and you have made yourself ready.